Good morning. So yeah, you've got me today. Yay. Steve doesn't, you don't need very well, Steve, you know, you comment, you comment on me all the time. So yeah, so, uh, yeah. so, so what, Psalm 121, this is probably one of my favourite psalms. And actually, um, some of us may know this psalm really, really well and could probably uh, say it off by heart. And uh, it's funny, I, I preached on this about six years ago, and, it, you know, and I was really impacted by what I preached and that kind of stuff. And actually, six years down the line, I'm thinking, has it made any difference to your life, Andrea? Probably not. But anyway, so um, are you one of those people who um, you're always, oh, you can't find what you're looking for. You go into a room, and you can't remember why you've gone in there, or you can't find what you're looking for, and that's nothing to do with age, okay, and it's nothing to do with being a woman either, but sometimes you go into a room, you're thinking, oh, you can't find that one thing. Well, in our family, we call that doing a Jessica, because our eldest daughter, Jess, when she was at home, she would just lose everything, and in the end, many years down the line, she said, mom, I'm not even going to be bothered to go and look, because just go and find it for me. And Steve is terrible for losing things, particularly his gym shirts or something, or his, yeah, your sports socks, that's a classic one of yours, isn't it? Yeah, and there's only two of us in the house. But anyway, sometimes you might be one of those people who uh, can't find what you're looking for. The psalm, this psalm starts off with a question. It says, where does my help come from? It's as though the person asking knows us too well. We often look in all the wrong places for God to help us when it's blindingly obvious where God is. So, where do you go for help? In verse 7, it says, He will keep you from all harm. This doesn't imply that life's going to be free from harm or danger or problems, but it refers to a well-armed one. So we are ready for whatever battle we may face. But that's hard to swallow sometimes when life isn't going great. Also, verse 7 can be be compared to Luke 21, verse 18. But not a hair on your head will perish. God is bothered with the minutest detail of your life. In the parable uh, in Matthew and Luke as well, isn't it? Yeah. The story of the shepherd where the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and find that one sheep that's missing. What a story that is. Uh, There's a song, uh, Reckless Love. um, It talks about God chasing you down. And that's true with this psalm. God is chasing us down. He is bothered about those minutest details in our life. There's only eight verses in uh, this psalm. But it says, he will watch or the Lord watches over you five times. So I think there's a bit of a message here. Eight verses and five times it says he will watch over you. In verse 8, it says, the Lord will watch over your coming, both now, now, and forevermore. What a pledge that is to now, that that now and forever. So why we go looking for God in all those wrong places, and yet he is pledging that he will watch over us both now and forever. 
The message version uh, uses the, in verse 7 uses the word God. It says, God, God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. The word God means to shield, protect, to cover. God can be described as our guardian, one who is our protector and defender. How good is it that he will protect us? Psalm 121 is a quiet voice gently and kindly telling us that we are perhaps wrong in the way we are going about the Christian life and then simply showing us the right way. Hills are beautiful. I'm sure you can all recall a beautiful hill or mountain and you only need to go to um, the... Uh, oh, the frontier, you can see Blackpool, but in the distance you can see the South Lakes on a really good day, and it's a beautiful sight. But what do they represent? What do hills and mountains represent? False religion, that's what they were used for, for when the Psalms were written. They used them to find their false gods and idols. So where do you go for help? These last 18 months have been a really interesting time for many of us. And some of us have flourished, some of us perhaps haven't. But where do you go for your help? So when, when lockdown, in the depths of lockdown, where did you go to your help for your help? Or where do you go to help for help in general? Do you use food? Do you comfort eat to make you feel better? Do you like to do a bit of retail therapy to go shopping? Because just buying that one thing, oh, it makes me feel so much better. But just buy that, it'll be lovely. I'm guilty of that. Alcohol. And that's not just about people who've got addictions. Perhaps you need a glass of wine each night just to help you relax. Pornography. What's on your computer? What images are you looking at? Sleep. Maybe you just want to sleep off, you can't face it, you procrastinate, you bury your head, you bury your head in the sand and you just sleep. Or maybe you you focus on other people's problems rather than face your own. You get drawn in to their problems because it takes the emphasis off yours. The thing is, though, the next day or after the event of what we've done to give us pleasure goes when we wake up. The problem we face is still there. We still need to move on, and yet we become trapped by these things we use to help us to keep going. We keep going to them time and time again. It's almost become a cycle. A look to the hills ends for help, ends in disappointment. For all their majesty and beauty, for all their quiet strength and firmness, and for all their promises of safety against the perils of the road, they are finally just hills. In Jeremiah 3, verse 23, it says, Surely the idolatrous commotion on the hills and the mountains is a deception. The Revised Standard Version puts it another way, which I think sums it up a lot better. Truly the hills are a delusion, the orgies on the mountains. Mm -hmm. 
John Calvin in, Calvin, in his commentary on Psalm 121, says that those of us who, disregarding God, gaze to a distance all around them and the long and devious circuits in the quest of remedies to their troubles. There are three possibilities for harm to travellers that are referred to in this psalm. A person travelling on foot can at any moment slip on a loose stone and sprain their ankle. A person travelling on foot can be exposed to hot sun and faint with sunstroke. A person travelling for a long distance on foot under pressure of fatigue and anxiety become emotionally ill, which was described by the ancient writers as moonstroke, which means emotionally unstable. Emotionally unstable. Instability, sorry. We can date this list of dangers to what's happening now to our society, can't we? Provisions of law and order can break down. People have little regard for the police nowadays and for other people's property. We only need to read the local news or hear the local news or read in the local press. A crazed suicide bomber or a person with a gun or an explosive can turn travel plans or a night out into instant disaster. The last few years, we've seen many of those events particularly the Manchester Arena bombing. Disease can break through our pharmaceutical defences and invade our bodies. Look at COVID-19. But the psalm tells us five times, he will watch over us. He will not let our foot slip. We can take precautions to prevent accidents with our health and safety laws, but we cannot guarantee security. It's hard, though, when things start going wrong in our lives or illness comes or anxiety threatens or if there are conflicts in our relationships or we sometimes think that God is bored of looking after us or has become disgusted with our meandering obedience and and decided we can fend for ourselves for a while. He has much bigger fish to sort out than to spend time to sort out the complicated mess we've got ourselves into. However, this is a serious mistake because the psalm promises that he will watch over us now and forever. The great danger of uh, Christian discipleship is that we should have two religions to rely on. We have a glorious biblical Sunday Christian, the one who declares the gospel of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and makes eternity alive in us. Or we have an everyday religion that we make do during the week between the time that we leave church and enter the world, the Monday to Saturday faith that we rely on in the other things. We save the Sunday gospel, Sunday biblical Christian for the big crisis in our lives. For the mundane trivialities, the time when our foot slips on a loose stone or the heat of the sun gets too much for us or the influence of the moon gets us down 
We make use, we, we use an everyday religion, maybe such as a talk show on the television or a, or a, a vice column in a magazine or maybe a, a advice from a friend. We know that God created the universe and he has given us eternal salvation. But we can't believe that God will be bothered to watch the soap opera in our daily lives. So we practice our own religion and find our own remedies. But Psalm 121 is very clear. That the same thing, faith in the big things works in the little things. I love to clean. And I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to say that. I love to clean. I love to make things perfect and just right. Steve will share many occasions when that's happened. I use this, though, as a distraction focus. Because when things are going wrong, what you'll find me doing is I'll start cleaning something. Or I'll walk around the house and just sort out yet another cupboard. Because it's a distraction. I use it as a, a way of not, being, not facing my problems, really. And it's because I can control that situation. I can control cleaning. I can control a cupboard <laughs> looking nice and sorted with baskets. I'm in charge. But that's only for a day. The problems still come flooding back. I can tell you many times when things haven't been going great for me. There's been many times I've taken detours screamed and shouted, looked in all the wrong places, wasted time because I needed to be in control and I can deal with things. But there's a but. But when I remember who God is and his promises of watching over me, I can allow God to do his thing. This week, typical, has been one of those weeks where I could have forgotten that God is there and in control. And I think I got to Wednesday, and I was trying to do things in my own strength, and I just thought, oh, this is flipping typical. I'm preaching on Sunday, or what am I preaching on? Oh, Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You know, he watches over me. And yet I forget. We forget. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it, when we've been a Christian for many, many years, and we know, we know the Bible, I know bits of it. I'm not no biblical scholar. But I know this is God's promise for my life. But I have to do things in my own strength, and I don't allow God to do things his way. One of the things that I've started to do sometimes, you know sometimes when you're in a situation you just can't pray. And it's hard because then I've done my cleaning, and I've done all my distractions, but one of the things I found really helpful is actually to pick my Bible up and to actually speak the psalm out aloud. Because we can read it, and that's great. But sometimes when we speak it out and we actually hear those words, it can become truth. The Christian life is going to God. In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everybody else walks, shops in the same shops, reads the same newspapers, pays the same price for food, fears the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures, get the same distresses. 
The difference is that each step we, we walk, each breath that we breathe, we know we are preserved by God. We know that we are accompanied by God and therefore we know that, that whatever we endure, whatever comes at us, whether it we have doubts, relationships break down, the Lord will watch over our life. He will keep us from harm. It's that long obedience in the same direction. Eugene Peterson wrote a book called The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's true, isn't it, for us Christians who've been doing this a while. It's just, it's flipping hard work. Going in the same direction, putting one foot in front of the other and believing these promises and truth that are given to us. It's being obedient and not taking those detours. It's just going in the same direction, keeping your head held high. It's time for us to repent from whatever we are using for our help. We need to look to God when the crisis hits, but also in the mundane things. I read out a list before of things that we might go to for our help. Food, shopping, alcohol, sleep, drugs, pornography, focusing on other people's problems. Where have you recently gone for your help? Have you allowed this psalm to really become truth? Do you believe that God is watching over you both now and forever?